Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Megan Gilker and welcome to the Fresh Exchange podcast. It's that time of year where we sit down and like our Friday meditation last week, we are going to be reflecting once again, but this time I'm going to be reflecting on the garden and what 2021's garden was like. And if I am really honest with you guys, I didn't do a great job journaling this year. I think I'm going to blame it on the fact that I had two young kids running around and that's a lot of work. So we're just going to go there. But I did make enough notes and I took lots of photos this last year in order to like hopefully sit down in these colder months when I am less busy to kind of look back as I start to plan. And if you are at all thinking about planning right now or reflect on your own garden, I just want to put in your ear that on December 21st, our winter community opens And I know you think winter garden, I'm not gardening, Megan, why would I join the community right now? Quick answer, we are going to be planning together as a community. So you can get community support as you're thinking about your garden, a space to ask questions, get other people's thoughts. And we're going to have three full sessions where an hour of time each time to sit as a community and help each other plan. You also will be getting access to seed swapping groups and things like that, which are unique to just this time of year. So if you want that support, maybe you're a new gardener or maybe you're in a new space, this is where you're going to do it. And I promise you, you are going to have such a good time connecting with all of us and getting that like group of just really amazing people talking to you about ideas for your garden and things to implement and ways to do it, all sorts of stuff. So I am very much looking forward to this. We're also going to be covering the book Wintering by Catherine May throughout this as well through our fireside chats. And I'm very excited about that because it's one of my favorite books and I'm very excited to reread it right now. And 
I think you guys will love it if, especially if you join the community and get this chance to like reflect and re like kind of do like a reading club with us, um, this winter. So all that to say, we're going to recap because we cannot begin planning if we don't understand where we're coming from. Right. And so this time of year is all about resting, reflecting, planning, and then, so we know that when we enter into spring here in the next like four months, yeah, I know it seems forever, but also really close. And we know exactly what we want to do and have some vision for the future. So I'm just going to dive into this because there's quite a few things. Um, because this year it was the biggest garden we've had. We added a ton of grow bags doing potatoes and all sorts of things. So it was a really big year and I learned a lot and I kind of bit off more than I could choose sometimes. And the weeding proved that. But I also took this approach this year where I was like a little more hands off. I really wanted, if you listen to the beginning of the year, I set my word as wild. And what that really meant was I feel felt like I needed to understand and embrace how to just be a little more and allow things to just flow a little more. And I think so much of my own personal life as a mom and an entrepreneur is needing to get all, like there's so many deadlines and like schedules and, but what is it that it is like to just not do And that's what I focused on. So I allowed things to kind of pop up in places I normally wouldn't, I would have pulled them. I would have like been crazy about my weed removal and I just wasn't. And it was a really, it probably was like the best thing I did for myself this year. And then like, I basically needed to this summer because my body needed to heal a little bit from, you know, having two kids and, kind of getting through that, we kind of forget as women that that takes a ton out of our bodies and we have to, and then it takes a ton out of our bodies to take care of kids and then do it in a pandemic. It's a lot. Okay. So (laughs) it was good to just kind of relax and just kind of let some things flow and not try to control everything and not solve a bunch of problems. And yeah, I think it was good to also exemplify that to my kids too. But Needless to say, there was a ton of other things that went on in our garden outside of that. But for real, that was probably the biggest thing I learned was just like there there were some really amazing things. Like we had wild milkweed in our garden this year and it was beautiful and incredible and amazing. And I would have pulled it in the past and that's a shame. So I'm really thankful that I didn't. And things like that just like sprouted up and happened and I let it. So I highly suggest taking a year in your garden to do that, to let things be a little wild and for the garden to have our own conversation with you. But there was a lot of things I did do that I, I usually like every season, like to start out with some objectives, um, things I want to test play with. And I try not to bite off more than necessary. So this year, one of those things was tomatoes. I was bound and determined to create great tomatoes this year. I've always had good tomatoes, but I wanted amazing tomatoes this year. And so I was like doing deep research, testing all these different varieties. And 
I really enjoyed it and had a huge amount of success. We had the best tomato harvest we've ever had, had the strongest seedlings we've ever had, had the best fruit we've ever had. Um, It was prolific. I had to just start giving them away. We had over 40 plants, which is also a problem. I filled our freezer. Our first fruit came on mid-July. I had our freezer full before the end of August um, with the tomatoes that we needed. So I would say that we did great. And But I, I'm going to do a whole thing this next year on tomato growing. We don't start tomato seeds till March, um, but I'm going to go through probably in February, like how to grow great tomatoes. And we have a lot of great content coming for the blog, all about tomato varieties and how to grow them, how to start them. There's all sorts of great stuff coming down the pipe. So, but more or less, I started with specific soil for seed starting that fed tomatoes properly in an organic fashion. And then I fed them regularly with Neptune's organic seaweed fertilizer. And that was diluted because you don't want to over fertilize because then you're harming them. And I did it once when I transplanted them um, into like up potted them and when they had four leaves. And then I did it again two weeks prior to transplanting them out into the ground. And then I did it um, one more time when they started fruiting or flowering properly. That And then I fed them again. And then I left them at that point. Um, that was it. And it they also were in a very specific location in our garden with tons of sunlight. And despite the desert of a June that we had, they survived. And other than some cutworms getting a few of them, we did exceptionally well. And I grew eight different, no, 12 different varieties, 40 different plants. So we'll go through that more extensively, but tomatoes were a huge success and I would do it again other than I would do half the amount of tomato plants. We don't need 40 tomato plants. Um, in fact, I think we only need 12 to 18 of them. And I would probably only have one or two cherry tomato plants and I would put them that were indeterminate and put them over arches this next year. I think that's my plan. Uh, I think they'll do really well that way. So I'm excited to try that and see how that goes. The next thing was tomotillos. I had this fear when I was doing my seeds, I would not have any tomotillos, but then spring came along and tomotillos are weeds. Uh, truly. And they are now everywhere in our garden. And I kept telling myself, I'm not going to pull them. I'm not going to pull them. I'm letting this year, the garden speak to me. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to pull tomatillos because we didn't have tomatillo bugs as bad as we normally have. Surprisingly with the amount of plants that we had, maybe that was why I don't know, but, um, we just, I had so many tomatillos. Like Nobody eats that much green salsa or that much um, any. It's just excessive. You really only need these tomotillo plants are huge and they're so, so giving, which is wonderful, but I just didn't want that many. So I think in the future, my lesson is, it's like pull it to four tomotillos. Don't start any inside because there's enough in the garden. Choose which ones I want to keep and let them go. Um, the next thing is beans. We 
loved doing beans this year. Um, it was one of the best decisions I made was to grow a lot of different types of beans. And I love growing beans because we do a lot of dried ones, but we also did green beans. We did black eyed peas, uh, which were really fun. And I highly suggest, especially if you're in a warmer climate or have a lot of sun exposure, they're really fascinating plants. And we have so many dried beans for winter. It's just a fun thing to grow. So as a beginner or not, have fun, grow some beans. I love Scarlet Runner, Zebra, Flambo. Um, all those were great, but just explore. Check out the seed catalogs. Beans are one of the easiest plants to grow. And then they put nutrients back into the soil like nitrogen. And so you can just clip them off at the top of the soil, which is pretty awesome. And then the root system will leave that nitrogen in there. Uh, so if you don't have something like chickens to replenish that nitrogen with poop, you can utilize a plant to do that for, you know, tomatoes next year or, you know, uh, broccoli, things like that, that would need it. So the other thing that we grew that I loved particularly was potatoes. Potatoes were really fun. And I would say if you're a beginner and you don't have a lot of space, do potatoes, do them in grow bags. You can set them on your porch. You can set them on a patio, wherever it's so easy. All you need is a fresh bag of compost and some grow bags and potato seeds. And you will have a great harvest. If you have children, it is a wonderful plant to grow with kids uh, you really can't mess it up truly uh, other than getting maybe some potato beetles, but for the most part, you should be good. Uh, so I really, really suggest them. I had avoided doing them in my head. I was like, they're so hard. They're so hard. Cause I was reading everything for like three years. And I was like, finally just like, whatever, why am I doing this? Like, why am I not just like trying this? What's the worst case they fail? Okay, let's try it. And I'm really thankful we're still eating our potatoes that we harvested in late July. So it's, I have a whole, I think I have a whole podcast about potatoes. So I really love getting them from Wood Forest Farm in Maine. It's an organic potato farm. Um, they, they, they just do such a great job. So there are lots of fun varieties. The one thing that I made a choice to do this year, as this last year, and to experiment with was more flowers. I have always grown some of the easy ones like um, Cosmos, Zinnias, Marigolds, you know, the classic easy to grow flower garden sort of things. But this year I decided, okay, I'm going to branch out a little bit. I'm going to do dahlias. I'm going to put it some more perennials in. I'm going to move out some yarrow. I'm going to you know, grow some more flowering herbs. I'm going to do snapdragons and stock and aster and straw flowers. And let me tell you, friends, don't hold back on the flowers. Just go for it. Start all sorts of them. And I love Florit Farm. She has a great selection of them. Um, but just watch some of them uh, because they there are some invasive ones that we don't want to be seeding. I, I'm not sure why they carry them, but just do a little research, but any of the ones I just mentioned, I highly suggest, and she carries a lot of them. Johnny Seeds also does a great job, and so does Baker Creek. But I buy a lot of my flower seeds from Eden Brothers and Johnny. They're both really great. So, and Florent Farm for really, some really funky stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I we did these Chinese asters that were just, they just blew me away. 
truly. And if you want more flower ideas, I have another podcast I'll link it to in the show notes all about my favorite flowers I grew this year. And I think you guys will really like that episode too, if you're wanting to just grow a flower garden this year. And you can also do a flower and herb garden. And those coincide super well, very low maintenance and huge wins on the other side, especially if this is your first year growing anything. And you're like, where do I begin, Megan? Grow a flower garden and or an herb garden. Okay. Just trust me. There's also an herb garden podcast episode where I give you the lowdown on how to do that and make you feel successful. I promise. Cause that's my ultimate goal in life. The next thing that I really suggest also for beginners, though it's a little late to put it in now, you can do it. If you live in a more temperate climate right now, you could put it in in January. If your soil is workable is garlic. Garlic is so fun to grow and it's so easy to grow. Like so easy. I, I always tell people like, if you're going to plant something this year, plant garlic. Truly. Everyone loves garlic. It's such a great thing. So garlic for us was really easy this year. I planted double the amount this for this next year. And I am so thankful I did because already I know it's going to be great. And I also suggest to people when they're thinking about garlic planting is to think about it like marigolds in your garlic, in your garden, not your garlic. Because it's it's such a good protector, it's a great plant partner, it's all sorts of things. So I would highly suggest putting in some, even if it's a little late, you'll still get a great harvest. Um, the main goal is for it to sit settled for a little while and then gain ground. So you can plant it in temperate climates like zone seven and above anytime now till you know really March. So give it a go. The next one, the next few things are a little less about specific plants and more about things that I experienced and learned. So one of them is I have this area and I have another one this coming year, the dead zone improvement. If you have a large garden, I don't think anyone can say that they don't have some sort of dead zone. I know so many gardeners and at some point in their gardening process, they get a dead zone. And it's hard to know why. Maybe you have a septic tank under there. That's a problem. Um, Because all that concrete sucks out the moisture. Had that problem with my asparagus I learned this year and why something wouldn't grow there. Um, And there was this spot that for three, almost three years, I've tried to grow things. And I would just pile. I, I like was trying all sorts of different compost varieties. I tried compost tea. I tried... It just wouldn't take, like everything I grew there was just tiny. It was such a varied amount of sun. It got some of the most sun. So I have decided that this year we're going to focus it. Well, this last year it was successful because I grew my garlic there. I grew broccoli there and I grew some perennial flowers and it took off. So I'm kind of going to see what comes in and then we might fill the rest of that in with more perennials just that I know will do well with a little less uh, a little less water. I think it gets drier there for some reason. Uh, so we'll see, but I have another one this coming year where we grew squash and then I tried to grow some other things there. The sunflowers did well, but nothing else would take off. So work to be done (laughs) ahead. We'll figure out what we're going to do there. The thing that about did me in this year though, was squash bugs. Oh my God, 
they were so bad. Like I have never had them so bad. And like we would, Hayes, my son and I would go out and we'd pull like a hundred of them off our squash plants. The fact that we even harvested zucchini this year is a miracle. Like truly how we harvested anything this year is a miracle to me because it, there, I don't even know how we did it. We avoided some really intense squash vine borer stuff. I, I did a lot of research, research this last year about them and how to avoid them. And we successfully did that, but the squash bugs about did us in, but they seem to let up the middle of July which told me, okay, because I did a succession planting. And so this next year, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do an early planting where I start these things inside and then move them out, particularly with uh, pumpkins and some of these other uh, plants that the squash bugs really like. And then I'm going to do a second planting where I start them inside as well and move them out into the garden after the squash bugs. And I'm going to do them in the greenhouse and I'm going to see, I'm going to start them in the greenhouse and see if the squash bugs actually find them in the greenhouse. So we'll see. Time will tell. I'll come back with my reviews on that next year. <laughs> um, the next thing that we had that we contended with was the desert of June. Literally, Mike described it. It was like living in a hairdryer. And I think that's the best description you could have talked about when we said June. I read in the farmer's almanac that June was going to be hot and dry, but I didn't see that it was going to be a literal desert. Like, well, not literal, but it was so bad. We're talking 95 to 100 degrees, winds in, that were like between 40 to 60 miles per hour some days. And it was just this hot wind. So, no matter what I did, and I'm trying to establish plants. This is the beginning of June when we basically put all our summer veggies in and we do a lot of perennials and I learned a lot and I'll get to that in just a second, but it was so, so, so hard to get these plants established. I mean, we were watering with drip lines overhead, so much water. And then it all let up and it was totally fine. And then into the next you know, a few months, we barely watered anything. And because there was so much rain. So it's pretty crazy, like how dramatic that was. And we lost a lot of plants. I feel like there's a lot of plants that got this high heat really intensely and adapted to that. And then they didn't do well the rest of the year. So we had some plants that need to be taken out and reseeded. There was just some issues. And so what I'm learning from that though, is to really intensely look at what both the farmer's almanac says, and think about that. If we see that we have this, you know, warmer June, then we definitely, or even July, we need to really take that into account when we're looking at establishing plants. When are we going to do it? And if May is better because of the weather, then maybe we do it a little earlier, crop cover, and wait for that light, you know, that sun to get really intense. So I think that was just a lesson that was learned. The other thing was, is I learned, well, I guess the other problem with that is that with our land that we're on here, the soil is still really rebuilding itself and we are still establishing 
the soil here. And the richer the soil, the less water it needs and the more water it retains. So when high winds come around or intense sunlight, that soil can compensate and help feed those plants and protect those plants. But if the soil is really sandy, particularly where we were establishing perennial plants and trees and bushes and things like that, they really struggled because the soil wasn't as strong as in our gardens. So it it just was very hard to plant trees this spring. So as I'm looking ahead, I'm also learning that up here with the weather and on this hill, we definitely have to really think about doing a lot of our establishing of plants in the fall or earlier in the spring before summer really gets into full effect. And so if we pick up trees, then we need to get them in the ground ASAP because it's okay to get a little bit of cold or snow on those versus, and in fact, it might be helpful versus like waiting too long and them struggling to get water. So if we can get them really well established before those heat waves and droughts come through in the summer months, then maybe we can offset that. So this next year, we're going to be establishing a bunch of perennials and trees and things like that in the back side of our house on the north side because we did all that landscaping if you followed on Instagram. And so now we have to establish all the plants in there. And it's a little overwhelming to think about. It's a huge undertaking, but we're going to try to get it done in May, like the beginning of May, so that for this very reason, granted, that area is a little more protected from the sun and the wind. So I'm hoping, and there's plenty of mulch and everything. So I'm just really pulling for the fact that maybe we can like squeeze by in this and not see such an issue as we did on the south side of our property. Time will tell though. So this was basically all the main big points for 2021. These were the things that really were significant and I felt like I learned in this process. So 2021 was a great growing year. It was intense, but great. The late fall was something that I've made note of for two years now. And I'm going to really think about that because I actually think now that we have a greenhouse, I may consider growing some things a little bit longer and later in there, or even leaning on some of our covers and things like that on our upper raised beds. Uh, Some things that I'm thinking about. We'll see though. It doesn't have to always be changing, does it? Doesn't it? (laughs) So we'll see. But well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I would love to hear any of your takeaways, anything you learned. You can always DM me. You can shoot me a message. If you're in the community, let's talk about it. Whatever it is, I want to hear your recaps. I'm going to be encouraging those in our community to give your recap, to give us the reflection on your growing year before we end this season. So in fact, we're having a little show and tell in our community through an event where members can come in, talk about these things with us and each have a little bit of time. So I am so thankful all of you have been here. We have one more meditation and podcast for the year and then we're out. So until then, my friends, I'll see you out there.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tools Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.